Okay, I sense from the text that it's going to be hard to beat Bluey, but uh, we will try and get some uh, big and small screen recommendations for the week ahead now that might be as popular. I'm joined today by John McGuire, Business Post film critic, and Zara Hederman, freelance culture journalist. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, so will we start with the big cinema release everyone's talking about? Poor Things. Uh, John? Poor Things, Brendan. This is, the, this is the fourth collaboration between Irish production company Element Pictures and Yorgos Lanthimos, the Greek filmmaker, following The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Favourite. All films that... They, this is the space they inhabit is between the art house and the omniplex. It is really a, a very clever position for these filmmakers and these producers to be in because they cross over. It's art house cinema, but it's for everybody. And he has, he always gathers a fantastic cast and he has done, again, in this film, Poor Things. It's an adaptation of a novel, a 1992 novel by a Scottish author called Alistair Gray. And it's basically the Frankenstein story, a distaff take on the Frankenstein story told through the experiences of this young woman, Bella Baxter, who's been built in a laboratory by a guy called Godwin Baxter, who's played by Willem Dafoe, who's uh, kind of one of those Victorian self-experimenting doctors. And he's put a baby's brain into Bella's body and she has to grow up. So she's a grown woman with the mind of an infant and she has to learn how to navigate the world. So the monster uh, becomes human, just like in the Frankenstein story. But she decides she doesn't want to get married to Godwin's assistant. She wants to take a grand tour of Europe. So she hooks up with this disreputable lawyer played by Mark Ruffalo and they go to Lisbon, they go to Alexandria, they go to Paris and she discovers what it is to be human or for good and for bad, everything. So this is very ambitious. It would need to be done very, very well. Is, it is, is it a beautiful very, film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lanthimos has an, an, an extraordinary visual sense but in this he's also got Robbie Ryan who also photographed the favourite. So it looks fantastic and it's kind of a steampunk alternate world, kind of Victorian, but also futuristic, and it's Sorry, uh, you're not it's really fantastic to look at. I yeah. loved it. I saw it in the cinema on Friday evening, and I'm already planning to go and see it again during the week. Um, as John was saying, it's just so visually striking. Um, it goes from being monochromatic to then just being this kaleidoscope of color, and done so beautifully. Okay. Like some of the sets <clears> almost <throat> look like paintings. Yeah. Yeah, can I move you on to the holdovers then? So I yeah. think we've got that. that it's That's poor things. Extraordinary yeah. poor things, yeah. and it's in cinema now. So the holdovers which is coming out next Friday, yeah. people mightn't have heard of it until the Golden Globes but it's suddenly huge buzz around it. Yeah and it actually did get a theatrical release in the US in October which makes a bit more sense because it is a Christmas movie. It's set in 1970 in New England in Barton Academy which is this prestigious boarding school um, and Paul Giamatti is Professor Paul Hunman and he's tasked with the case of looking after the kids who are left over and can't go home for Christmas they're essentially the holdovers and um, um, and what unfolds then is this really nice relationship between uh, Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, who's one of the students, he's Angus Tully, and then Divine Joy Randolph, who's the head cook in the school. And watching this, I kept thinking about Paul Murray's Skippy Dies in mm. a way, mm. um, just in the relationship between the teacher who's a bit lost, who's teaching in the school he went to. Dominic Sessa is also a character who's feeling very abandoned by his family and he has to kind of find himself within kind of the school construct and him and the teacher do a really good job.
job of kind of guiding each other. It's a very dysfunctional relationship. And what I really loved about this is this is set, as I said, in 1970. And the director and the production team have done an excellent job of making yeah. this look like it was made in the 70s as opposed to being an homage to the 70s. It's very kind of Hal Ashby in its way. It looks great. The soundtrack is great. It's very heartfelt. Um, it will also get also you. very funny. That's the other Hugely thing. funny. Yeah, yeah. Hugely yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Matty is hilarious. Hilarious. And so he, again, you're both endorsing this. Oh, comedy, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is a five-star movie, Brenda. Yeah. This is really, really? superb, absolutely. as good as it gets. Yeah. And it is that thing where they, uh, uh, Zara mentioned Hal Ashby and they talk about the films of the 1970s and they don't make them like that anymore. Yes, they do make yeah. them like okay, that so anymore. Okay, so it's a it texture really of that yeah. kind of Absolutely has it. He does it perfectly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the cinema gore is spoiled for choice then. Uh, TV, John, uh, so hard to believe the first series of True Detective, the one yeah. with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, is now 10 years yeah, old. 10 years ago, yeah. And it kind of, I think, went off the boil for a lot of people. It feels like the new series is a return to it's form. It's a return to form, yeah. This is the first season, like you say, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. That was a sensation, but that was 10 years ago. Not so much the subsequent two uh, seasons were perceived as failures, really, but just because they couldn't match that standard. And Night Country, this is True Detective Night Country, uh, will change that perception. I think people are going to get really into this. It's sunset uh, 150 miles north of the Arctic Circle in the town of Ennis in Alaska and uh, a detective uh, played by Jodie Foster who's this incredibly cold and flinty and hard-nosed woman and uh, she gets involved in a murder mystery when a group of eight scientists go missing from a research station. We don't know what they were researching but they are, they're all gone. Uh, shortly afterwards, Fiona Shaw plays a kind of a wise woman who lives out in the middle of nowhere and she discovers the eight bodies naked, frozen, in the middle of nowhere uh, and the mystery begins. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about yeah. it, Brenda, because uh, I would spoil it, but uh, Danvers, the, the character that uh, Jodie Foster plays, she has to team up with a Native American uh, police dete- uh, police uh, sheriff because of the way that they the sheriff and the police are different in in, in that part of the world uh, who's played by Callie Rice who used to be an, an MMA fighter and at the same time Christopher Eccleston plays her superior who's trying to take over the case okay. so there's a lot going on it's a dense story but the previous True Detectives were eight episodes. This is six episodes, six hour long episodes. And, and two of them going up tomorrow in Sky, two is Two tomorrow right? and then yeah. weekly. And okay. uh, it feels a little truncated. Sky Atlantic and now TV. But Jodie Foster is superb. Okay. The story okay. is really it's a, It sounds and looks, I think, a lot like Fortitude, that underrated Sky show set up it in does. that It does. There's quite the a few films well. and TV show, yeah. shows that are set in this kind of world. And it is so bleak okay. and cold and hard. Uh, that the characters are fascinating. How do they stick it out? How do they live okay. up there? True Detective Night Country and that's uh, tomorrow on Sky and now the first two. Zara, Society of the Snow on Netflix. Not a Christmas film, we should warn people. Um, no. Like, it's so grim, but uh, kind of enjoyable is probably not the right word. Fascinating, yeah. yeah. And another kind of bleak and cold one. Um, so it tells the story of the Andes flight disaster in 1972, um, where a Uruguayan plane carrying a rugby team essentially crashed and landed in the Andes and left all of the passengers uh, stranded for 72 days. And we follow through their um, endurance of how they managed to try and survive this. Um, you know, they're exposed to horrendous weather conditions, avalanche 
branches. They become very hungry and a lot of the crew or people involved died because of injuries and what they went through. And then they have to resort to cannibalism to stay alive. I wasn't familiar with this story before I watched this. Um, And I had seen quite a lot of friends had really highly rated. It's on Netflix and was fascinated by it. I couldn't believe the story and just the different levels of kind of uh, inventive engineering that people went through to try and survive. Then the expedition towards the end to then the recovery of the 16 survivors. And as you said, it's, you know, it isn't an, it's an enjoyable to watch in that, like, it's remarkable what these people went through. Um, And in making it. And every time things got really bad, they then get worse. Really bad. And it was really remarkable how in making this film, they had access to all of the survivors. So they amassed about 100 hours worth of interviews and actors were able to talk to them. So they managed to do this quite sensitively and faithfully, but also really didn't um, shy away from the details of it. Yeah. So look, it's, it's harrowing, but it is kind of rewarding society of the snow. That's on Netflix now. Um, John, your mm. favourite show. He is back. <laughs> now I've banged on about this before, yeah, Brendan, yeah. so I'll spare you that. This uh, is the wholesome, feel-good, simple <laughs> brilliance of Channel 4's Great Pottery Throwdown. I'll save you the going back over all of that again, except to say that it's back on TV Sunday evenings, quarter to eight in the evening. And it's another crop of 12 amateur potters who, who seem to include now, and this is what happens with these kind of shows. It's going on for five or six seasons or whatever it's been. People are ha, have trained to go on the show now. You get that sense that they've wow. actually... that, And, and I'm, I'm not being... It's impossible to be cynical about the Great Pottery Throwdown, but I'm saying that uh, you, you have the sense that there's been... People have been putting in the practice, putting in a couple of years. And nothing wrong with that, I suppose. But the gang does include a couple of visual artists called, turned potters, including a woman called Donna from Northern Ireland, who won Potter of the Week last week and made Keith Brimner Jones cry. <laughs> Tears of joy, of course, which isn't really that hard to do. But us fans at home are sitting, waiting, watching for Keith to start crying. It's a glorious hour of television. I love the inventiveness of it. I love the work that they produce. I just feel better after watching it. It's yeah, you see, I'm never going to watch it, right? But I enjoy seeing you talk. I know, yeah, I know, yeah. But and I you're kind of outraged about the slight corruption yeah. you feel might be creeping in and people are kind of <laughs> well, get, a little, get, but beco- you get becoming that, amateur potters before the, they get there. You get it there. with the cooking shows, you get it with the stitching shows, the clothes shows, whatever it might be that... It's going on so long that people are like, I'd like to do that, but I'm going to have to train and practice. Mm. And okay. I don't mind. I don't Sarah, uh, love it. 30 seconds. True yeah. Love on Channel 4 sounds interesting. It's all there to binge on the player. It is a group of septuagenarian friends who, uh, their friend group, they have this pact where if one of them becomes terminally ill and doesn't want to kind of go through with the illness, they have a pact where they'll assist them in dying. Um, it then turns into a bit of a police procedural. We've got Lindsay Duncan, Clark Peters from The Wire. Um, very endearing, very engaging, very heavy subject matter, but excellent acting, excellent story too. It's so highly worth okay, a watch. Okay, True Love on, on Channel 4. And also, you and I would both agree that everyone should watch The Curse and the Absolutely. last episode last night, one of the most bonkers but extraordinary pieces of television I've seen in a while. So it's all there on Paramount, Paramount isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it won't be. Okay, thank you very much, Sarah Hederman and John McGuire.